sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid network, that includes sportsgrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination and consume everything all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. Baseball is the focus front and center here in this opening hour of our two together. We bring you up until 11 a.m. Eastern time live right here on this Tuesday on TMA. A national championship in the final collegiate athletic contest of the 2022-23 academic year on the line last night in Omaha, Nebraska. We will break down the seventh national championship for LSU baseball in just a moment we'll go all around major league baseball in this opening hour as well nba's offseason really picks up this week with free agency looming on friday and we'll check in on the national football league during this offseason as well we're about a month out from training camp we start in omaha at the 2023 men's college world series after florida plated a world series record 24 runs on sunday evening to force a game three last night on a Monday in the Big O. LSU's offense returns the favor. Not quite 24, but pretty darn close. 18 runs yesterday for the Bayou Bengals as LSU reigns supreme in college baseball once again. The seventh national championship for the Tigers in program history. Their first since 2009. The dog pile in the Big O last night on Charles Schwab Field as LSU finishes out a season where they were ranked number one in the preseason with a national title. They were booked as a minus 148 money line favorite yesterday. A tough day for anybody who maybe appeared on this show and told you to take the under last night in game three in Omaha, Nebraska. It was not an under. In fact, it sailed over 18 runs scored by the Bayou Bengals. Everybody on their team recorded a hit led by Dylan Cruz, who will be the presumptive number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft next month he was four for six yesterday for the tigers he scored three runs he had a triple he even added an rbi as well lsu did not need paul Skeens, as thatcher heard was big yesterday for jay johnson's tigers and lsu wins its seventh national championship so maybe just maybe i told you to take the under but if you remember before we got started in omaha with the eight teams still remaining at the men's college world series here in 2023 I told you to take LSU at a plus 270 price, so maybe forgive me because of that plus money. An offensive onslaught for LSU returning the favor against the Gators, who had 24 hits on Sunday. LSU responds with 24 base knocks of their own, 18 runs in their seventh national championship by the way lsu set a huge record at rocco's pizza and cantina in downtown omaha if you've been following along with the college world series jello shot challenge it has become mythical lore in the big o over the past two to three summers in omaha lsu fans had more than 64,000 jello shots recorded entering last night's national title and celebrating a championship
championship. I'm sure they added a few more on to that tally. Three consecutive years now, the fan base that has won the Jello Shot Challenge at the CWS has seen their baseball program also win a national championship. A coincidence? I think not. It's just science, folks. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of a Tuesday, live on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. And for the seventh time in their program history, the LSU Tigers stand atop the college baseball world, winning a national championship last night in game number three against the Florida Gators, exacting their revenge from the 2017 men's CWS finals where it was U.S standing on top what a year by the way for lsu athletics the football team wins the sec west in the first year under brian kelly kim mulkey in the lsu tigers women's basketball team a national champion and jay johnson in the baseball team victorious here to end out the 2022-23 academic year of college sports college football looms on the horizon in just about two months but until then we focus on major league baseball two teams we maybe did not expect to be at this point nearing the halfway point of an nmlb campaign the baltimore orioles and the cincinnati reds squaring off last night in camden yards in the o's plating some runs of their own in fact 10 of them in a 10-3 victory over Cincy of course the Reds were one of the hottest teams in the bigs last week they entered their weekend set against Atlanta winning 11 straight games they won the first game against the Braves to make it 12 straight well they have lost three straight since that time although Cincinnati has still won 15 of their last 20 games the O's by the way have won three consecutive games after they won their weekend series against the Seattle Mariners as we look at the National League pennant odds there's a clear distinction of a tier of two atop the National League the Atlanta Braves well they are the favorites right now plus 170 50 cents in front of the LA Dodgers at plus 220 then you see the grouping of the D-backs the Giants and the Padres at 12 to 1 where do you find the New York Mets it's a 25 to 1 price as the New York Mets continue to struggle the Atlanta Braves continue to win baseball games backed by a solid outing from Spencer Strider last night he deals 10 K's against the twins the NL MVP frontrunner Ronald Acuna Jr. adds in a long ball Atlanta wins their 11th game in their past 12 tries four to one over the twins we'll have plenty more around Major League Baseball up next here on the morning app sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com the diamond dash live on this tuesday morning on the morning after on sports grid and sirius xm channel 159 our focus on major league baseball nearing the halfway point of this mlb campaign so we welcome on to the morning after on this tuesday one of our favorites it is jack mcmullen the play-by-play voice of the indianapolis indians the triple a affiliate of the pittsburgh pirates and of course a great member of just baseball media jack mcmullen we appreciate your time as always thank you for joining us bright and early on this tuesday of course i brought a prop so i'm ready to go 
He's got his coffee ready. He is ready to bring that energy for you to go all around the big. Jack, a short slate yesterday on a Monday. Only six games, but some intriguing teams on the di diamond, really representative of what we have seen this year in Major League Baseball, including two facing off in Camden Yards in Baltimore, the Orioles and the Reds. Of course, Cincy was riding a 12-game win streak into the weekend last weekend against the Braves just a few days ago the Orioles hey they have the second best record in the American League and they add to that tally yesterday at home a 10-3 clubbing of Cincy Jack where do you evaluate both of these perhaps surprising teams and their trajectory at this point of the Major League Baseball campaign well, I was going to say, just like we expected, at the end of June, we've got a battle of two heavyweight perennial favorites in the Cincinnati Reds and Baltimore Orioles. But no, man, I mean, Cincinnati, they, they caught lightning in a bottle, which is, you know, something that you see a lot of teams that are, are performing before their window, before their window of contention is supposed to open. And that was Cincinnati, man. I mean, they're doing this with a rookie, Matt McClain, a rookie, Ellie De La Cruz, who's lighting the baseball world on fire right now. Uh, and Joey Votto has found the fountain of youth granted just for like half a week, maybe a week. So that was a hot team running into a team that I think is actually really good in Baltimore. And I think that mm. the pitching staff is underrated. I think that Tyler Wells is one of the more underrated and undervalued pitchers in the American League. Um, they figured it out on the hill. And they've got some bats that are really performing. Jordan Westberg just made his big league debut last night. And Baltimore, I do firmly believe, is the better team. They looked firmly like the better team last night. They got to a guy that uh, I think needs a little bit more seasoning in Brandon Williamson. And unfortunately, if this is the time that the Cincinnati Reds fall back to earth, uh, they're doing it against a, uh, a truly superior team in the Baltimore Orioles. And they played the Braves over the weekend as well. Atlanta taking the final two games of that set. Now that set the best team in the National League. And the O's right now, Jack, 48 and 29. Yes, they trail the Tampa Bay Rays by four games in the American League East, but they hold a six-game cushion for that top wildcard spot in the American League at this moment. The Reds, because of a Brewers win, the Brew Crew holding off the Mets. We'll break down that game coming up in our next segment. Milwaukee back in front in the National League Central, but the Reds still very much a part of that race. Everybody in the NL, though, Jack, looking up at the Atlanta Braves. In fact, everybody in Major League Baseball, except for the Tampa Bay Rays, looking up at the Braves. Atlanta has won 11 of their last 12 games and Spencer Strider bounced back yet again last night. Ronald Acuna Jr. had a home run as well. Jack, is that pretty much the carbon copy of Atlanta Braves baseball? Strider great on the bump. Acuna Jr. adding it up offensively, resulting in an Atlanta win. Pretty much. I mean, we've seen Matt Olson tally the home runs as well. So all I was expecting was an Olson homer here, and that truly would have been Braves baseball. But it's really nice to see Spencer Strider get back on track. This guy's the strikeout king in baseball right now for a reason, yeah. man. He's one of the more gifted pitchers that, that we've seen in recent memory. And listen, if you've seen that guy's quads and hammies, you know exactly yeah. why he's that good. That dude spends so much time at the squat rack. But no, this was vintage Strider, and it's hard to be vintage when you're mid-20s. But uh, Strider, it, it was seven innings of one-run ball, 10Ks. I looked at this pitching matchup last night, and I said, this has the opportunity to be a really good game. And I do that often. I think we are burned sometimes when you look at ace-offs, quote-unquote, and say, hey, this is going to be a 2-1 game. 
it turns out to be not a 2-1 game. And, and that's how betting on baseball works. That's how baseball works in general. Uh, but no, Sonny Gray was, was excellent last night, I thought. Strider was better. We get another one tonight. Bryce Elder has been good all year. Joe Ryan has been excellent all year as well. So this is a matchup of two division leaders that I was keyed in on. And the fact that it was Strider and Acuna to beat the leader in the American League Central, I thought was not poetic, but uh, understandable. Spencer Strider over his K prop that was already lofty at nine and a half, finishing with double digit strikeouts and 10. He has 146 Ks this year. Nobody else in the bigs has more than 130. He is nine and two with a 373 ERA. Jackie had two really bad starts prior to these past two that he has dealt. He gave up 13 earned in back to back starts against the Mets and the Tigers, then one earned against Philly in his last start last week, and of course, seven innings of great baseball on the bump yesterday Ronald Acuna Jr. a home run like we mentioned he is the odds on favorite a minus 140 price jack to win the National League MVP how long will it take for Acuna Jr. to lock up the NL MVP award it's going to take till after the all-star break. I think it's going to take into mid-August here because that guy, Carroll in Arizona, he's kind of breathing down his mm. neck right now. And then how about the one that's flirting with 400 in Miami in Luis Arise too? Arise at plus 2,500. I remember vividly a conversation that we had last year about Aaron Judge. And you asked me straight up, what does Aaron Judge need to do to take the MVP away from Shohei Otani? And I said, he needs to be a record breaker. He needs to break Roger Maris's home run record. If Luisa Rise hits 400, he's the MVP. I, I don't care what any other number is. That is something that hasn't been done since Ted Williams over 162. Uh, now, granted, it's an incredibly long season. The odds are stacked against him to an exponential amount. So yep. a rise at plus 2,500, if you firmly believe that he can hit 400, that might be the place to jump in here. But for for Acuna to separate himself from a old teammate Freddie Freeman, who's hitting the crap out of the ball right now in L.A., and from yeah. Corbin Carroll, who you know is looking like that Rookie of the Year MVP candidate that you know we talk about with Fred Lynn, with Ichiro, uh, with Trout. If Miggy didn't win that Triple Crown back in 2012, 2011, 2012, um, I, I think that Carroll could be that kind of guy to, to sweep in, but. It is Acuna's to lose. Um, I'm not going to call it a done deal until we hit August 15th-ish. I think it's a very good point. Unlike the American League MVP, that seems as though it is already heading to Shohei Otani's residence. Right now, when you look at Luis Arias, he is batting 399. There is a prop bet available in the FanDuel Sportsbook for Arias to be batting 400 or better by the All-Star break, just about a week and a half away. The yes of that is plus money at plus 285. You mentioned Corbin Carroll and what he has meant to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yes, the D-backs still have the second best record in the National League, outpacing the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres in the NL West. He has the second best price with the NL MVP plus 550 a rather long shot behind Ronald Acuna Jr. But he seems to be a certain lockjack for the National League Rookie of the Year. It's a minus 450 number. What has Carroll's play meant for Arizona all season long? It's meant everything. And I mean, we're talking about a guy that like rookie of the year numbers like that should not exist. That's what I think we're going to see with one 10 games into his career. But like, dude, <laughs> it, like Carol is so ridiculously fun. He does everything at such a high level and he has elevated everybody in that Diamondbacks lineup. Everyone has benefited from having 
one of the more dynamic athletes in Major League Baseball in that lineup hitting in front of them. Carroll is a, a roster enhancer, and I think that that is one of the nicer things that you can say about a player in Major League Baseball because baseball at its core is a team game played by individuals. And when you have an individual this good, everybody on the team gets better and the team as a whole is a lot better. It is going to be a great showdown in the desert tonight. The best team in the bigs, the Tampa Bay Rays, makes their way west to take on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Gallen gets the start for Arizona, the D-backs favored. Minus 130 on that money line. But Taj Bradley, the rookie for the Rays, not bad on the other side for Tampa. Jack McMullen, we always appreciate your time. Hope the coffee keeps you going on this Tuesday. More of the morning after. Up next. No free ads. No free ads. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Good morning, yeah. Live right here on this Tuesday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. I am Ben Stevens. We continue our deep dive into Major League Baseball with a focus on New York, New York. Things not great for the New York Mets. Where do things stand for the New York Yankees? As we approach the midway point of this Major League Baseball season, we welcome on Nikki Latarulo, who is now working for SNY back here in the Big Apple. So, Nikki, a sincere congratulations as we welcome you on Thank to the you. show for the first time since your move back here to the tri-state area. We're very happy for you yes, and very glad to have you. you back on TMA. Yes, I'm excited to be back. Nikki, the only issue with your return to New York has been you have witnessed some Mets baseball that has not been all that stellar at this moment. The Mets going down once again to the Milwaukee Brewers last night, unable to muster up much offense, only three hits and only a single run as Milwaukee wins in City Field two to one. The Mets have now dropped eight games below 500. It is the worst record for the Amazons this year. And Nikki, on paper yesterday, the Mets booked as a big home favorite. Justin Verlander was on the bump trying to stop the slide for the New York Mets. Do you think they got enough out of Verlander yesterday in the game against Milwaukee? Honestly, I'm not upset with the fact that Verlander only went five innings. He pitched 100 pitches, so at the same time, you have to think about, one, he's not that young, so 100 pitches is a lot. There's not much more you can get out of him without him starting to give up runs at that point. He did pitch five scoreless innings, so it's like, okay, they got what they needed to get out of him. Would I like to see him go a little further? Yes, but the issue then comes down to the bullpen. The Mets bullpen has been so bad, other than David Robertson, obviously, so... It's like your starting pitchers can only go so far. Your big guys like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, even Kodai Sanga, they should be able to go longer than five innings. But that first inning jam kind of messed him up by giving up so many pitches and this and that. So when he got to the fifth inning, it was like you can't blame Buck for taking him out. But the bullpen just has to be better because that's just been the issue with the Mets. Like if the pitching is good in the first half of the game, the bullpen kind of throws it away. So not mad at him only going five innings because when you look at that pitch count, how much more can you leave him in there? 
the lack of offense last night really the issue for the New York Mets again only three hits just a single run and when you get to the back end of that Brewers bullpen with Devin Williams coming in for yet another save it's hard to really generate anything offensively but Nikki of course the story of the offseason for the Amazons was the big bankroll from Steve Cohen investing in the two starters at the top end of the rotation Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander so far how do you evaluate the start to the season for the top end of that starting staff. Well, I think that they've just been hot and cold, so the problem has been they're not clicking at the same time, and then when they are clicking, the offense isn't clicking. So it's kind of just like a mess all around. I do think that Scherzer is is starting to hit his stride a little bit. You look at his numbers, the those last two starts have been pretty good and then the starts before those not so good so you kind of think okay maybe he was just hitting a rough patch he's starting to get back here but then verlander he's not give he doesn't look like the verlander we know and the verlander that mets fans expected to see when he put on that uniform so them two together they're not doing anything crazy you're not like okay these are the best two pitchers in the league but at the same time you can't fault them because even when they do do their job the offense isn't giving them any run support the bullpen's not helping them out um i think if everything was clicking they would be doing what they're supposed to be doing i just think there's too much pressure on them when the offense is getting three hits and all three hits are singles they're getting one run and then you look at sunday's game a hot mess so it's just i think all around the mets are just the all-star break is coming at a great great time for the Mets in my opinion they really, really need to like and then hopefully the season is much better absolutely so there's been a litany of issues for New York you can't just focus on the top end of that starting staff the New York Mets were 30 and 27 on June 1st since that point the Mets have dropped 16 of their last 21 games. So as we look at the two New York baseball teams and where they stand, Nikki, approaching the halfway point of this MLB season with the All-Star break just about a week and a half away, let's start with the Mets. How would you categorize the first half of this season given the expectations of the offseason? Um, disappointing, I would say. I think that with the offensive players that they got back, they had such a good season. The expectations were so high. And then you look at this offense, especially in June, Jeff McNeil batting 188, Pete Alonzo batting 172. The guy that's kind of carrying their offense right now, Tommy Pham, batting a 316 um, in his last 30 games. That's, I mean, you're heading into the doggies of summer. You're relying on Tommy Pham. That kind of goes to show that the, the, the lineup isn't performing the way that they were expected to perform. I mean, Pete Alonso coming off the IL, but at the same time, he's doesn't look like the guy that everyone expects him to be. So I think it's disappointing. Yeah. Same with the bullpen. It's just all around. They're not clicking at the same time, which ends up leading to them being eight games under 500. So like I said, I think the all-star breaks coming at a good time. They kind of need to regroup, but they're all the June numbers are really bad. So it's like they've lost 16 of their last 21. That's disappointing, especially coming from a team that was so good last year. Everyone was like praising Buck Showalter. And now you look on Twitter, everyone wants Buck Showalter fired. And that's just that's just how the story of the season has gone so far. So hoping the back half looks a little bit better for them. Sometimes you just need a break in the all-star break exactly. is certainly <laughs> on the horizon. Both the Mets and the Yankees entered the year at eight to one to win this year's World Series. Both prices have grown longer as we focus on the pinstripes right now, Nikki. Where do you think the New York Yankees are approaching the halfway point of this Major League Baseball season? 
I don't think the Yankees look as bad as people are making them look. Obviously, the numbers are not great, but they're doing this without Aaron Judge. They're still, what, eight games over 500, and they're yeah. they're using their next man up mentality for guys like Billy McKinney has been great in June, and these younger guys are kind of stepping up. I mean, Anthony Volpe doesn't look good. Stanton doesn't look good. Josh Donaldson doesn't look good. All the guys that everyone expected to be good coming into this season don't look good. And then you have Aaron Judge missing, what is it, like three and a half weeks at this point. The fact that they're only nine and a half games back, it's like they're still in it, and they still have a chance to, like, figure it out the second half of the season i don't think everyone should be as hard on them as they are being but i do think the bats have to start get start to get going because they can't be hitting like this coming out of the all-star break um but they're i think they know like that they have to pick it up and yeah, I guess we'll see. The pitching isn't hasn't been terrible. The bullpen's literally been their saving grace uh, the first half of the season. So without them, this would be a whole different conversation. The expectation of a baseball team is a very funny thing. The Mets had very high optimism given the bankroll entering this year. They have been disappointing, not living up to it. The Yankees always have a sky-high expectation. And despite being eight games above 500, despite occupying the second of three wildcard spots in the American League currently, and being a postseason contender, it's not good enough at this moment mm -hmm. for the Yanks. And the biggest looming factor, Nikki, like you mentioned, is the health of Aaron Judge and his toe injury. He said over the weekend that it still hurts when he walks and where a, where a timetable stands right now is very uncertain. So, Nikki, when you look at the timeline for Aaron Judge to return to the diamond for the pinstripes with the All-Star break coming up, when do you potentially think we see Aaron Judge back in the lineup for the Yankees? At first, I thought it would be sooner rather than later, but now I think it'll be later rather than sooner. I think the way they're talking about it is kind of showing that they don't really know. It was first like, oh, it's a sprain. Now it's a torn ligament. And the fact that he it hurts to walk, like there's no way he's swinging on that foot. There's no way he's throwing off that foot. There's no way he's running through the outfield with that foot. So I think that if I had to take a guess, I would say mid-August. This is just a random guess, but at the way that it seems to be i feel like it'll be later rather than sooner i think he will be back because if you think about it it's just a toe but at the same time we don't know um the severity of this injury but the yankees need to stop thinking about the pressure of like oh what how do we get by without aaron judge they have the talent to do it they have some of the best hitters in the league they're just not performing like the best hitters in the league they also have one of the best pitchers in the league they could do it it's not like their roster is significantly worse than everyone else's roster without aaron judge it's just i think without their captain it just seems like such a bigger loss and i think we could see that is affecting them you see the offensive numbers and how they significantly drop off without Aaron Judge in the lineup. You brought up Josh Donaldson and the struggles that have him now riding the pine for Aaron Boone's team. Nikki, outside of Donaldson and some of the names that you have mentioned, who needs to step up most offensively for New York to finally generate some offense without Judge in the lineup? I think we have to see more from DJ LeMahieu. I think he has all this potential, and he's, like, a guy that the fans love. He's really, like, made an impact on this team. But then now, this season, especially, like, the last few weeks, the last few months, he hasn't 
he hasn't been the guy that we're used to seeing. Same with Anthony Rizzo. He's kind of hitting a little bit of a stride right now, but those guys need to step up. Harrison Bader kind of getting back into the swing of things after coming off the IL. He's like a big energy guy, so I think when someone like him performs well, the team rallies around it. Same with Anthony Volpe. He's due to start hitting, so I think any day now he's going to start getting back into it. We know he's capable of it. I think it might be the pressure of obviously being the starting shortstop for the Yankees and then also now the lineup like needs his help and it might just be like more of a mental thing but I think some of those guys really have to have to step up it's like the next man up mentality they can't rely on Billy McKinney to be their best hitter right now the Yankees a little west coast road trip out in the bay today against the worst team in major league baseball the Oakland Athletics 40 games below 500 but the Yanks only a slight minus 136 money line favorite on the road in Oakland Nikki Latarulo joining us from SNY live right here on this Tuesday on the morning after Nikki thank you so much glad to have you in NYC thanks for being here Talk to you very, very soon. More of the morning after. Up next, a focus on the NFL offseason. Next, here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. on this Tuesday live on the morning after on sports grid Sirius XM channel 159 and all across the sports grid network I am Ben Stevens very very excited right now to welcome back onto the show live right here on this Tuesday on TMA it is Mike Blewett one of the best football minds that we have here across the Spiz Grizz he anchors a ton of our football coverage of course including pro football today each and every Sunday throughout the fall when a new NFL season begins. And Blue, you got to start doing the research here pretty soon. Oh, We're yeah. about a month out from, from training camp. So only the offseason, just a few more weeks left before we really dive in to a new NFL campaign in 2023. A pleasure to have you here on this Tuesday on the morning after. Thanks, buddy. It is really the one pause in the NFL calendar year, but it's when we start to ramp up exactly what it is we're going to see for the next six or eight months in the NFL. So excited to talk about it with you. Obviously, there's some major storylines that we'll be discussing here related to new faces, new places, notably Aaron Rodgers. Certainly so. That will be a storyline that we will follow all NFL season long. Aaron Rodgers, the new starting quarterback of the New York Jets. So here we are, Blue. And after organized team activities, after mandatory minicamp, it is the lull of the NFL offseason. The next time we will see guys on the practice field and really hear from players and coaches around the National Football League is about a month away when they all report to training camp. So, Blue, how do you feel now as you look at the Super Bowl 58 odds that paint a picture for a new NFL season? Well, I feel that most years you're going to have very strong bias related to the teams that just participated in the last game that we saw played. But this year in particular, I feel like as you scan the landscape of the NFL, it's difficult to poke holes in the teams that we saw there. We saw Jalen Hurts with a breakout season and an unbelievable performance in the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes. The guy gets to the AFC Championship game every year that he's been a starter, so why not bet on them to run it back 
and get to at least to that game and perhaps win it again and have another Super Bowl appearance. So I think it's going to be difficult for people to poke holes, although the vibe that we're getting is that people are much more likely to poke holes in the Eagles season of last year, saying it was an easy schedule, they didn't have to play anyone. But I would counter with the fact that they had two playoff teams in their own division, and they throttled everybody that they played. Until the second half of the Super Bowl, the Eagles were the best team in the entire league. It's very interesting, Blewett. You are a great future better. You like peering through these prices at this point of the offseason, whether it be a Super Bowl 58 number, a price to win a conference championship, or even divisional or win total numbers that we have available. What would you recommend to all the NFL future betters out there as a key to your handicapping when you tie up your money for quite some time is you might not cash a Super Bowl ticket until the middle of February? Sure. That, that's the first thing I would actually always advise people is keep in mind, if you're going to be a futures better, particularly at this juncture of the NFL calendar year, your money's going to be in for quite a while, whether it's uh, as odds start to get released on player awards or some of them that we have right now, win totals, championship appearances, all of those things have to be taken into account as your money is tied up for a long time. But what we're trying to do is take advantage of what we feel are softer numbers. Now, yeah. we talk about the Eagles and the, and the Chiefs. Those numbers aren't particularly soft. They're at the top of the board. Do you think? Do I think you're going to get a better number on the Eagles? Not for a long time. The Eagles will have to go on a losing streak, and I would not see that happening until after their bye week. The Eagles are going to likely be favored in their first nine games. You can make an argument that maybe one of them there'll be an underdog, but the Eagles will rip off their first nine games up into their bye week. They'll be favored every week. So their odds are not likely to drop all that much as far as championships are concerned. But again, going back to strategy, you're tying your money up for a long time. So let's be sure that there's a number that we feel is particularly soft. And the second piece of advice, don't be afraid of the top or the bottom of the board. I think a lot of people get scared away from that number seems really low. I don't want to bet an under or that number feels really high and I don't want to bet an over. But if you, we, we analyze it here and we feel like we can attack the top or the bottom of the board, I generally get after it. In fact, the middle of the board is what gets a lot trickier because you're, you're really sweating it out until the final weeks, so whether it's a seven and a half or an eight and a half. And it really could go either way. It's why the numbers are there in a 17-game NFL season schedule. You mentioned both the Birds and the Chiefs. Right now, Philly the favorites to win the NFC for a second consecutive year. It is the same for the Chiefs in the AFC. Both conference favorites, both with the two best prices to win a Super Bowl. Blew it. When you look at Philadelphia and Kansas City, who do you think has a better path of getting back to another Super Bowl appearance? Better path to getting back to the Super Bowl. I'm going to have to go with the Eagles simply because I think we all agree that the AFC is stronger at the top. We have heavy quarterback competition at the top from uh, not just Mahomes, but Burrow and Herbert and Allen and Lamar Jackson being back in the mix. And you could probably throw in a couple more names. So I'd say Philly's got a better path to the Super Bowl, but I could probably contradict myself and say, I actually think the Chiefs had a better chance of winning their division simply because when you look at what the teams did during the offseason, I don't really feel like the Chargers did much to improve themselves. All they really did was draft. They didn't add anybody through free agency. 
the Raiders. I think we all would concede that there's a lot of drama going on in that locker room amongst the team. They've added in the last two years over 40 free agents. So that's a full roster turnover. And the Broncos, I would argue, made the biggest improvement of the three teams in the division. They were terrible last year. Adding Sean Payton, I, I can't stress enough what an improvement that can be to a franchise. I think he's one of the top three coaches in the entire league. And I hope it works out for him and Russell Wilson. I do think it will. I think the Broncos are a potential playoff team here. But there, we have to see a little bit more on the field before I make that bold prediction. But I, I really do think the Broncos will be in the mix for a playoff spot. The Chiefs right now a minus 160 odds on favorite to win the AFC West division a divisional crown they have won each of the past seven years you saw the win total at 11 and a half it's a number they have gone over in all five seasons that Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback the AFC is going to be a gauntlet as we anticipate this year but the pedigree of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City is certainly one of consistency and one of great success Blue, as we look at some odds shift entering 2023 the biggest movers on the board from where they are right now to where they were last season at this point of the offseason the Jets the Lions and the Jaguars of course the Lions were a winning football team last year nine and eight now the favorites to win the NFC North the Jaguars victorious in the AFC South and odds on favorite to make it two straight divisional titles and of course gang green has added aaron <clears throat> Rodgers. so when you look at these three teams will all three of these clubs live up to their new expectations entering 2023 all three no chance <laughs> just because that's the nature of the nfl i think you have to like the way the lions closed this season obviously they got off to a very tough start uh, the defense was a mess but the biggest plus for the Lions this offseason was retaining Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator. I think he really unlocked Jared Goff in a way that we hadn't seen in some time with Sean, hearkening back to his days with Sean McVay. Yeah. So I do think this offense will be something to be reckoned with. The defense needs to improve. I, I trust that Dan Campbell will improve that uh, along the way. And I think the Lions definitely have a chance to compete. I, I feel like people are giving them the the path to the NFC North crown a little bit too willingly. I, I, I firmly believe that the Packers and the, certainly the Vikings are a serious competition, but I think the Lions could be in the mix. I just like the way they closed out the season. The Jets will obviously be even more competitive offensively now with Aaron Rodgers. I think it gives them a good path to the playoffs, but I would, I would probably state right now, it might be somewhat controversial in people's minds, but I think the AFC East could be one of the most fascinating, the most fascinating division in football. The Bills have obviously been at the top of the division for the last few years, but with Tua coming back and the Jets adding Aaron Rodgers, they are serious competition for a Bills team that did not play anything like a championship team late in the season, particularly defensively. It's a really good point, Blue, because right now the Buffalo Bills are booked as the favorites in the AFC East division, but it is seen as a competitive one with both the Jets and the Dolphins on their heels. And let's not forget the pedigree of Bill Belichick there in Foxborough for New England. Let's focus on the finale, Blue, of week number one of this NFL season. The New York Jets hosting the Buffalo Bills. Right now the Bills just a point and a half favorite as we already have the early odds available for week 
number one. Were you surprised by this spread at all in what it indicates perhaps about how these two teams compare to one another as we get the line for week number one? I think with Aaron Rodgers arriving in New York, I think it's always going to inflate what the spread might should actually be before they earn it. I think the Jet, if Aaron Rodgers plays like vintage Aaron Rodgers, the Jets are going to be a serious contender across the entire league. But just his yeah. presence is going to bump the spread in favor of the Jets, at least a couple of points, perhaps a field goal. What I would say here is that we've seen this from Aaron Rodgers the last couple of seasons when he was in Green Bay. If he doesn't really play at all during the preseason, He's got some cobwebs on him to yeah. start the year. Those week one performances the last couple of years have been terrible by the Packers. And if he doesn't play a lot in the preseason, I'd be concerned with how the Jets come out offensively with it being a new team. So I give the Bills the advantage here just because you're bringing back a lot of the same people. I don't think the Stephon Diggs drama is all that concerning. I, I give the Bills the edge here, even though I do think the Jets can be a serious contender. I think... What Garrett Wilson did last year in earning the Offensive Rookie of the Year wasn't talked about enough. It was a bad offensive football team at times, and he still pulled off the award. The Buffalo Bills, the second best price to win the AFC Championship right now at plus 450. Blewett, you mentioned the NFC East. It's been a weird divisional trend we have seen over the better part of the last two decades. We haven't seen a repeat champion in the divisional title market since 2004. The Eagles won it last year. Philly booked as a slight odds-on favorite at minus 110 to make it two straight. Do you anticipate that trend continuing in 2023? I do not. I think the Eagles run it back. I would note, like I said, the first nine games will probably be favored, but the last eight games for the Eagles after their bye week, seven of those were playoff teams last year. Giants a couple of times. The only non-playoff team is the Cardinals, but it's going to be a tough end of the season for the Eagles. I just think that they are clearly better than the Cowboys and the Giants right now. When you look at the Cowboys and the Giants, they will face off on Sunday night football week number one of this NFL campaign. The Giants hosting the Cowboys in MetLife. New York booked as a three and a half point home underdog. Those are the early lines as we get ready for a new NFL season as Mike Blewett took you through the futures and everything you need to know at this point of the offseason about a month away from the start of training camp. Mike Blewett, we appreciate your time as always here on a Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Thanks, buddy. Jello shots on you next time we hang out. Next time we're in Omaha, Nebraska, you have no doubt. Maybe some Wednesday afternoon beers with the fellas as we get ready for a football season as well. We round out the morning after an hour number one up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on this Tuesday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here throughout the entirety of this opening hour all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That is SportsGrid. And SportsGrid, of course, includes the new SportsGrid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app now available for download at the Apple 
app stores. Again, the QR code on your screen right there. All of our information, insight, and data available in the palm of your hand. You want best bets? The new Sports Grid app has it to make you a better sports better it is smarter to be on sports grid there is a ton to get to as we close out hour number one and look forward to hour number two of this tuesday live right here on tma of course we will focus on the nba offseason what is going to change throughout the association landscape over the next 72 to 96 hours with free agency unofficially beginning with the negotiating window opening up on friday afternoon and maybe it's not just free agents but some potential trades that could happen that might really change the nba for next year including is this the year is this the summer finally damian lillard is traded by the portland trailblazers that was the question in fade the public At SportsGrid TV on Twitter, will Dame be traded by the Portland Trailblazers this offseason? Two options for you, yes or no. And it seems the public is kind of operating like the Blazers' front office. Almost a split, but most of the public saying no, about 54.5%, saying Damian Lillard will not be traded by the Blazers' organization this offseason. An update for you to this story to start off our number two. They met with the front office earlier this week. They seem as though they are trending in the same direction to try to find a positive direction forward in the Rose City. We'll break it down to start off our number two of the morning after live right here on this Tuesday on Sports Grid. That's next.